there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Um, you know, I'm willing to take as many carries as they give me. Um, you know, I, kind of, I embrace it. Um, yeah, it was like, like I said earlier, it was the first time I had gotten those carries in a while. So being able to fill uh, that load uh, was good. Uh, it's, it kind of got my feet, like get my feet wet again, uh, in a sense, uh, just being able to them trust me with the ball. That was Nebraska running back Marquise Stepp following a 101-yard day last week against Fordham. The USC transfer had 18 carries against the Rams, most in a game for Stepp since, he said, high school. He never had more than 14 in a game at USC. An offense he led. he chose to leave because it passed a little bit too much. Nebraska's coaches identified early in offseason this year. They're looking for kind of a lead guy at running back. Step might be a pretty good bet. More than just a good game against an FCS opponent, however. It's how he carries himself. He spoke after the game on Saturday and then again on Monday, which uh, provided the clip you just heard. And he sounds like a pro. He sounds like a guy. You could give the ball to you 20 plus times a game if you need it. If Nebraska is having running back eclipse that 20 carry mark, it's been a good thing during the Scott Frost era. It's only happened four times. One was Diedrich Mills against Rutgers last year, which was Nebraska's best offensive game by far. Mills also went over 20 against Iowa in, in 2019, another excruciating three-point loss to the Hawkeyes, but a game where Nebraska played pretty well. And then it happened twice in, in 2018. Uh, Divine Zigbo went for 20-plus carries against Northwestern, which looked like it was going to be the first win of the Frost era until all, until all of a sudden it wasn't. And then Azigbo went went for 20-plus against Ohio State in 2018, which probably remains the best game Nebraska has played under this coaching staff. It should be pretty clear based on that how Nebraska wants to win football games. Based on rising rush counts each season, that, that run rate continues to creep higher. Now, can the Huskers do it consistently against FBS teams? We'll get a chance to find out this week with another visitor from the state of New York, I'm Hale Varsity Managing Editor Brandon Vogel. You're listening to the IAD Preview Podcast, Corned Beef Edition. Let's talk some football. Nebraska welcomes Buffalo this week to Memorial Stadium, the first meeting between the schools. Buffalo made comically easy work of Wagner last week, winning 69-7. The Bulls scored on the second play of the game, forced a three and out. Wagner punted for 11 yards. And really, that was about it. Uh, you kind of knew how the game was going to go once uh, once Buffalo punched punched in that short drive. Little changed from, from that point on. The line for this game, which is 2.30 p.m. kickoff on BTN, opened at Nebraska minus 11 on Sunday. And pretty quickly, it, it jumped as high as 14 at some places. And, and by midweek, it settled into about Nebraska minus 13.5. SP Plus power ratings this week would have Nebraska, which ranks 40th. Um, there were no rankings after week zero, so the Huskers dropped a, a bit for the Illinois loss, of course. 
came out, played pretty well against Florida and earned at least a little bit of that back. So they sit at 40th. Buffalo's 68th in the uh, SB Plus rankings. And those two power ratings would make make this a Nebraska by eight and a half line when you factor in home field. FPI, ESPN's other primary power rankings, have Nebraska 50th and Buffalo 56th. So looking at a pretty close one there with home field factored in, that would make the Huskers just a three and a half point favorite per FPI, which gives Nebraska a win probability of 61.2%. The money line in this game, which was Nebraska minus 590 for a straight up win, Buffalo plus 425 uh, last time I looked prior to recording, that was implying closer to a 80% win probability. Actually, at 590, it's it's closer to 85%, but you got to factor in that this is one of the ways that sportsbooks maintain an edge and, and kind of ensure a profit no matter what happens. So call it closer to an 80% implied win probability. Either way, um, this line and these money line odds are giving Nebraska a lot more credit than, than most of the power rankings are. The predictiontracker.com is a site that tracks multiple computer rankings and models, um, more than 50 or 60 at this point, I believe. And, and the median line on this game there is Nebraska minus two and a half when the actual line's sitting at 13 and a half. So we've got, we've got a pretty big difference there. My personal read on that, I have a tough time taking a lot from Buffalo's win over Wagner. I think Wagner's just not very good at football at, at the moment. But it's a program that's that's used to winning games, and as we'll get into, they've got some guys. Nebraska's a deserving favorite, but it doesn't take many early mistakes in a game like this to find danger against a team like Buffalo. I mentioned that Buffalo has some guys. Let's look at three who will probably play a large role in how Saturday's game unfolds. Uh, first for me is linebacker slash defensive end, probably best just called edge rusher Taylor Riggins. Uh, he's, he's a super senior, missed all of 2020 due to injury, but had eight and a half sacks in 2019. Had two sacks in his first game back that, that went over Wagner. Uh, he also led the team in that game with six tackles. He's kind of everywhere for the Bulls. He'll be impossible to miss on Saturday, though the less you notice him, the better things are probably going for Nebraska. Second on my list would be quarterback Kyle Van Treese. He, he's, he's an interesting one. He's, he's played a lot of football for, for the Bulls. He, he became their full-time starter about a season and a half ago, um, but he was, he was getting into games and started a couple games as an underclassman. Completed nine, or 79% last week, which again, factoring in Wagner, but he, he's a quarterback who can do everything they need him to do. He's a good constraint for what has consistently been a strong rushing program at Buffalo in the past. If that run game's working, Vantrese is more than capable of taking advantage. And if he stays comfortable, if he's allowed to do that, uh, it can cause some problems for, for any opponent. And that, that includes Nebraska this week about that run game. Uh, Buffalo had a two-headed monster last year at, at running back. Their top two backs combined for over 1,800 yards. One of those running backs, Kevin Marks Jr., is back this year. He scored twice uh, in the season opening win, had a relatively light day. I mean, that game got out of hand 
so early, which allowed another running back to emerge for Buffalo. Apparently, they just have a, a never-ending supply. Uh, Ron Cook Jr. averaged over six yards per carry, almost seven yards per carry, uh, and is one to watch as well. He adds a little bit of explosiveness to that run game, and as we'll get into a little bit later in the show, holding up against Buffalo's rush is is going to be absolutely elemental for for Nebraska in in this game. It's it's the box that they almost have to check in my mind. We'll flip it over to the Husker side of things, kind of along that along those lines of holding up against the run for for three players to watch for the big red. Number 1 on my list is is Nick Nick Henrich. He leads Nebraska with 15 tackles through two games, but both he and Luke Reimer, who's second on the team in tackles, this is a big opportunity for for one or both of them to have the best game of their career. They're going to be asked to do a lot. It's not going to be easy work. It's going to be not a lot of fun a lot of the time, but those are two guys who have shown a willingness to do that sort of work. Can they have success against a, a Buffalo rushing attack that challenges challenges teams in a lot of ways? Second on my list, flipped offense. Assuming he's healthy, I think this has the potential to be a, a big game for wide receiver Oliver Martin. Samori Toure was great last week going over 100 yards. Martin went over 100 yards against Illinois. And, and looking at those two, and obviously Toure plays in the slot. Nebraska can get pretty creative with, with how they use him. Uh, saw that against Fordham as well. Martin is probably the surest downfield option for me at this early stage in the 2021 season. And, and that's, that's going to be pretty big. Um, Buffalo's defense last year, uh, which is probably more meaningful than what they did against Wagner, um, is the, the one place where it was sort of susceptible was, was in the pass game. So can Nebraska exploit that? If it is able to hit some downfield passes, it probably means good things for the the Huskers handoff run game too. So including Martin here is a little bit of a overall health check on, on Nebraska's offense in this game. Third on my list here is Damian Daniels. I think he's been great through, through two games. I think he's going to have a really, really strong season. Um, given how Buffalo is built to play, this would be a very good day for Daniels to have a great day. And it may not still show up on the stat sheet. Uh, you may have to look a little bit closely, but if he's just winning his matchup consistently and is too tough to handle up front, that might be the easiest way for for Nebraska to to gum up this run game and, and allow players like like Henrich and Reimer to do what they do, run and hit. There's not a lot to review from last week's podcast and and the keys to the game because given the unique scenario Nebraska was in, didn't, didn't talk a whole, whole lot about what Nebraska needed to do specifically to beat Fordham. Uh, we, we went a little bit more big picture, but just to, to kind of review that game off the cuff a little bit, obviously Nebraska was able to move the ball on the ground, which as, as we talked about is kind of objective. Number one, I think for most games going in with Nebraska, uh, got dinged a little bit early, both in the run, but more so in the pass against Fordham, which wasn't entirely unexpected, at least on, on my end. That's, that's what Fordham does. They've got some good skill players. Scott Frost said it after the game. 
Ryan Greenhagen, linebacker, uh, who was in the players to watch, had 31 tackles, uh, was credited with 30 after the game, but a review of the film showed they, they missed one, which when you're making that many tackles, I guess is is easy to do, but one of the great individual performances in, in Memorial Stadium. So a ton of credit to him. Fordham just had had some good players, and it took Nebraska a little while to to get settled in before they were able to to make that game look the way a lot of people thought it would look. But they did get there uh, after the game. I likened it in my, my post-game column to making extra points, uh, which Nebraska made all of them, but did not against Illinois. Uh, in that, you know, the outcome is kind of taken for granted a little bit, but we'll see. We'll see if that uh, was portends better things for for the Huskers in the future. That'll take us to halftime. Here's Rusty Dawkins with your game day forecast. You can follow Rusty at Husker Weather on Twitter and check HaleVarsity.com throughout the week in the lead up to game day for updated weather reports on Saturday. Hi there, everyone. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins for the I-80 Preview podcast weather forecast. And uh, it's looking like it's going to be a warm one. Temperatures typically this time of year are closer to 80 degrees. I think we'll tack on 10, maybe 15 degrees onto that forecast as we head into Saturday afternoon with Buffalo coming to town. It is going to be a warm one. We'll start off already in the middle 80s by noon with mostly sunny skies, a southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. That wind does pick up as we head through the day, but still right around 10 to 20 miles per hour. By kickoff at 2.30, into the 90s, 91 degrees, the forecast temperature around 2.30 in the afternoon with plenty of sunshine. That continues into the 4 o'clock hour. And uh, around halftime, temperatures will be in the lower 90s. So uh, definitely a warm one out there with mostly sunny skies and that southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour. We are looking at a dew point that will be close to the 70 degree mark. So we all know that that means that the heat index will be higher than the actual temperature. So make sure you're hydrated and wear plenty of sunscreen. It's just going to be a summer day because by the fourth quarter, we're still in the 90s. Mostly sunny skies and a southwest wind at 10 to 20 miles per hour, but we do cool off a little bit. I think by 8 o'clock in the evening, we'll see those temperatures drop back into the middle 80s with a southwest wind at 5 to 15 miles per hour. Keep an eye on all my social media channels. If I have any updates, I'll post them there on RustyWX as well as Husker Weather. That's on Twitter and Facebook. I'm meteorologist Rusty Dawkins. Go Big Red. Styles make fights, they say. And that's, that's kind of how we try to break down these these weekly football games here on the IED preview. So we'll kick off the second half here by really digging into the details of what Saturday might hold for the, the Huskers. Three objectives for, for this one. Number one on the list, um, as you probably guessed from the first half of the show, Nebraska has to stop the run particularly early. It it, it, it has to hold up, and that's that's been a little bit of a problem. We're only talking about two games here so far and the, and the Huskers run defense overall, I think has been pretty good and has a pretty high ceiling, but opponents are, are having a 46.3% success rate on first down rushes. They're averaging 5.8 yards per carry on first down. That's not going to cut it against Buffalo. The Bulls last year with that sort of two headed rushing attack that I mentioned averaged 6.1 yards per carry on first down. They were 16th nationally at 0.175 expected points added on first down uh, expected points added is kind of the the way football analytics are trending a little bit here where you can just estimate point values based on 
the situation down distance time remaining and and field position and then measure each play by did it add to your expected point total or did it de- decrease it's it's a pretty handy way to do it and buffalo like most good teams uh was was really good on first down last year and that was that was with the bulls rushing 68% of the time on on first first down like there was no mystery to to what they were going to do now this is a new coaching staff schemes change slightly but if it's a good coaching staff you kind of show up at a place like buffalo that's been winning look at what you have look at what you can execute right now and, and probably stick to the the blueprint if the bulls are consistently on schedule early they, they tend to stay that way which is another good sign of, of, of good offense and they were able to put up big point totals despite ranking in the top 10 nationally in, in rush rate last year. They were really a run-heavy team. But but despite that, they averaged 43.7 points per game. So this was efficient offense. Bantrese, as mentioned, is kind of the perfect quarterback for, for this system. Uh, he, he's a good complement to, to a strong run game. He's efficient. He's thrown just seven interceptions despite playing in parts of, at least parts of, five seasons with, with the program. He's good enough to hurt teams. He has not, however, often been consistent enough as a passer to win games on his own. The Bulls won loss last year uh, to, to Ball State. He threw the ball 42 times. And, and when his, his number of pass attempts creep up is while it's indicative that maybe the run game isn't having the usual success it does uh, just kind of a sign that that the bulls are playing a little bit left-handed so that's going to be a key number i'm watching early in this game fantrice's pass attempts creep up into the mid to upper 20s things are probably going to nebraska's liking for the most part key to the game number two on saturday for me the Huskers have to keep Adrian Martinez clean. The biggest difference between for Nebraska between the loss to Illinois and the win over Fordham, even when you factor in the obvious difference in, in opponent quality there, was that Martinez had time to throw. It's a simple aspect, and by, by that I mean simple to identify and, and watch a game and say, well, he, he had time or he didn't. Not as simple to execute, but it offers plentiful rewards for for this Nebraska offense. Martinez, over his career at Nebraska, has averaged two fewer rush attempts in wins than in losses. So the higher that rush count goes for him, it's not always always a good thing for for Nebraska. If he has time to, to drop back and read the field, he's shown he can find open receivers. And more often than not, there typically is an open receiver. This offense still does a great job with its past concepts of putting players in conflict, conflict and getting guys open. Um, it's just a matter of Martinez picking out which one is and, and delivering a catchable ball. When he does, it, it looks a lot like the Fordham game did. Keeping, giving Martinez time, letting him be comfortable in the pocket, it also decreases the amount of improv that, that he is asked to do which can be a, a bit of a double-edged sword. You know, those, those improv plays might be the seas parting and Adrian Martinez 
pulling the ball down and, and going 75 yards untouched against Illinois for a touchdown, or it might be a, a turnover. It might be a fumble. It might be an interception. It's just, it's too boomer bust. You don't want to limit Martinez and his ability as, as a playmaker. You just need to be really selective with it. And that requires time in the pocket to do that. One of the few weak spots, as I mentioned earlier, with this this Buffalo defense was its explosive pa- pass rate. Uh, they, they have all upperclassmen in the secondary, but that group includes a, a Texas Tech transfer. It includes a converted wide receiver at cornerback. And one of the safeties is a first-time starter and, and former walk-on. So they're players that have been in the program um, in, in most cases, but players also who may not have the most experience game-wise. So can Nebraska find some room to operate there? Adrian Martinez has to feel comfortable uh, when he drops back to to do that most efficiently. And and Buffalo has the players to, to really force the issue on that and a track record of doing so. The Bulls ranked 10th in sack rate last year. Riggins, who I mentioned as one of the players to watch, is that kind of prototypical edge rusher is a problem that that has to be dealt with. He has 15 and a half career sacks. The number to watch here for me is is going to be that sack total, particularly early on. I think if Buffalo gets above two sacks, anything above that, things are starting to become a little bit of an issue for, for Nebraska. Now, if that second sack or third sack comes late in the game, depending on the score, Maybe not the biggest deal, but if Buffalo comes out at halftime has has two sacks, uh, I would go into halftime thinking the the Huskers need to figure some things out. Either the run game isn't working quite as well as they had hoped, or as we saw against Illinois, the the O line is just struggling up front with some some pass protection. Both would be poor developments for Nebraska. Third key to the game on Saturday isn't something you can put a number on, but to me at least, it's a it's a really interesting culture clash between Nebraska and Buffalo. Two teams have never played, as, as we talked about at the top of the show. Uh, so it'll, it'll be the first chance for that, but I don't know about you, but back in late April when Lance Leipold, a, a coach who has connections to both Nebraska and Omaha, left for Kansas... I, I I thought to myself, well, tough break, Buffalo. I mean, this is a common fate for, for a group of five teams. You, you go out, you identify a good coach, enjoy it for a few years until a power five school comes along and says, thanks for the R&D, uh, we're taking that guy. And then you got to do it again if, you, if you're Buffalo. It's hard to keep picking winners in such a cycle. The Bulls were rolling under Leipold. And maintaining a program like that can often be harder, in my mind, than than rebuilding one. But the the early reports on on new head coach Maurice Linguist, who had stops with the Dallas Cowboys, Michigan, Texas A and M, Mississippi State, and Minnesota, uh, it sounds like he's his messaging it has has resonated with a group that, you know, to be honest, had every reason to to be a little bit skeptical of a new guy. You think about those Buffalo players and they had, they had a more than a handful of transfers after transfers out. I mean, after Leipold left, uh, 
for those guys that stayed, you're like, things were going good. So how's this guy going to, to keep it up? And, and that's kind of the challenge facing any new coach in, in such a situation. But if you listen to last week's show, you know that I talked a lot about great coaches and what they have in common, Nebraska football as it currently sits. And my personal belief that process focused approaches are almost essential when, when you're talking about consistent football success. At a press conference this week, Linguist described his team as outcome aware, process driven. Now, I know anyone can say anything at a press conference just because you say it doesn't mean that you're about it. But I paused the video at that point and, and offered a nod of respect. You know, it was one of those moments where we were just talking about this last week. And, and here comes Buffalo's new head coach, a, a guy I didn't have many preconceived notions about. Just knew that, hey, Buffalo's been really good and, and, and maintaining that is, is a pretty big job. And here was, here was at least one piece of evidence that said, oh, okay, maybe Buffalo's going to be, going to be just fine. Maintaining programs like that, it's, it's not about, you know, making coaching changes is hard. It's, it's really random. I mean, we're all well aware, just looking at the last 20 years of, of Nebraska football of how hard it can be, but really look at any blue blood program over a long enough span and, and you'll find you'll find instances where you know they have all of the advantages they're at the top of the list they kind of get the pick of almost anyone that they want and they still get it wrong as often as they they get it right when when ohio state after urban meyer retired um i like ryan day i think he was you know even then before he'd been a head coach i thought he was going to be an excellent one but but i wrote that the odds of Ohio State maintaining what had happened under Meyer, he won 80% of his games, were just not in Day's favor. But here are the Buckeyes. Um, they, they've kept winning, like always. There wasn't a ton of room to go up, but Day has even elevated their recruiting uh, a, a little bit, and they haven't missed a beat. I thought the same thing about Oklahoma post Bob Stoops, Nebraska's opponent next week. And, and Lincoln Riley took the baton and has only run faster than, than what Stoops had done over almost 20 years. Buffalo was in a similar spot. Um, it's Again, it's just, it's so hard to, to do. I look at almost any coaching change and, and, based on where things go and, and how random the act of, of finding a good coach can be um, finding a good employee for anything, really, you know, you do your best and you do do your due diligence and it's still, you never quite know how it's going to go until the person actually gets in the job. Had I been alive in 1973, I probably would have expected Nebraska to regress to the mean under Tom Osborne following the success that Bob Devaney had. It's just how it goes most of the time. It's way too early to say that Buffalo isn't going to miss a beat post Leipold. But early on, uh, one line from, from Linguist has me thinking that Buffalo has a better shot at remaining Buffalo, one of the best programs in the MAC, than they did 
back in April when, when that change first happened, they have a culture there and it's going to shift somewhat under, under, under a new head coach, but it's still a winning culture, still a winning program. You look at Nebraska on the other sideline on Saturday and it's still an identity and culture that remains a work in progress. In my opinion, Frost has said consistently all off season that it's closer to where they want it to be. He feels the best he's felt about it, but you see a game like Illinois in, in the season opener. And it tells you that, yeah, there's still some, still some cracks to be painted over still some, some maintenance that, that needs to be done there. Fordham's the Fordham game has a chance. I think it really does have a chance just having sort of success, having a game go the way that it should go to, to be a bit of a springboard for, for Nebraska this year. I also know this Buffalo is very likely a better team than Illinois. And and we all saw how that game went. It comes down to what football always comes down to. The Huskers have to play well to, to walk away with a win on Saturday seems simple, but it's, it's been anything but for, for Nebraska over the past three seasons plus. So can they do that? Can they stack back to back strong performances? Cause that's what good teams do. It's what a team like Buffalo has been doing for the past three or four seasons. Thank you for listening. That's the I-80 preview podcast for this week. If you like the show, uh, do your podcast chores, review and rate it. Wherever you listen to podcasts, tell your friends, tell your enemies, helps help spread the word. Also, make sure you're checking out the broader Hale Varsity network of podcasts. Um, we're putting out a number of podcasts each week, helping you hopefully reach a better understanding of, of Nebraska athletics through good stories, insightful guests, all of the things that you, you hope for when you uh, devote some of your valuable time to putting in the earbuds and and listening to a podcast, no matter, no matter what you're doing. Well, while you're doing that. So check that out. Hail varsity YouTube, YouTube page is a great source for videos through, throughout the week, whether you're looking for press conferences, original content there, uh, be sure to check us out on that. And then also, of course, the best way to kind of directly support us. If, if you like what we do is by subscribing, you'll get a monthly issue of magazine, uh, Hale Varsity Football Yearbook, which is nearly 200 pages devoted to the upcoming season and the summer, and access to all of our premium content online. Thanks for listening. A Huda Media Production.